And I was actually having dinner with Alan Weber, an IDC analyst last night. And he said, so many companies are focused on digital transformation, but they forgot why. It's to, it's to anticipate customer needs to provide them with that great customer experience. I mean, that's something you see resonating in Jay's content. I was on his site just today looking at it. And, and so we can't forget that um, digital transformation is for not unless you understand it's about delivering a great customer experience and that means and i'll summarize all of that it means that the company all of the employees and all of the departments need to act as one that's really what it comes down to boy adam brown ain't that the truth it's so easy to forget the why why are we doing this I mean, I don't the amount of time and money and effort and and brain cells spent on digital transformation uh, is extraordinary. But sometimes we're doing it just because we feel like maybe that's what we should be doing. The old adage, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And and Jeremiah is such a a leader and a and a and a kind of evangelist, as he said, in this space. And it's refreshing to hear how he's looking at so many things very consistently as he looked at them a decade or so ago, but also changes in kind of what it means to be social and looking at how we as social media practitioners take care of ourselves and advance our careers. Absolutely. Jeremiah Aoyang, uh, currently the founder of Kaleido Insights, previously at Forrester and Altimeter Group, is truly one of the OGs of social media and social business. It's a real pleasure to have him on the show this week. You'll learn a lot, pretty meaty topics in this episode as well. So listen closely, uh, Social Pros fans. You're going to like this one very much. You're also going to like, I hope, our sponsors. We couldn't have this show without them. We love them dearly, including Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Uh, Quick question. What does customer engagement really mean for business today? Salesforce set out to answer that. They they surveyed more than 8,000 consumers and business buyers across the globe for the third edition of the State of the Connected Customer Report. State of the Connected Customer Report. It's really interesting. Lots of uh, data in the report, of course, but one of the things that they found is is understanding that, that customers actually expect, this is a little bit unreasonable, I think, but they, they expect companies to know what consumers want before they ask. So this idea of predictive intelligence, wow, what, what a, a game changer. You need to get this report. It won't cost you anything. The Salesforce team makes it uh, available for free. Go to bit.ly slash customers rule. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash customers rule, all lowercase, and grab a copy of that report today. Also this week, the show is brought to you by our old friends at Emma, fantastic email marketing platform located down there in Nashville, Tennessee, Nash Vegas, home of all the bachelorette parties now, they tell me. And I gotta love Emma because not only do they do all the things that email service providers can do, they send the email accurately, they give you a bunch of stats that you can do a lot of interesting automation and campaigns and creative testing, A-B testing, all that. Yeah, they can do all that. Great, fair price, et cetera. But they also have an amazing support team. It really is a great corporate culture down there. And you can get a hold of a live human being, right? There's no like wait in the queue to some sort of robot to answer your question. A real human being will answer your question and help you send better email. So even if you're not in charge of email in your organization, you probably know who is Social Pros fans. Make sure they know about Emma. Go to myemma.com, M-Y-E-M-M-A.com, myemma.com slash J is awesome. J-A-Y is awesome. Myemma.com slash Jay is awesome to learn more and request a free demo. Here we go. This week on the Social Pros Podcast, it is the legend Jeremiah Aoyang, founding partner, 
of Kaleido Insights. He is a legend, a true legend in the world of social media and social business. Joining us this week on Social Pros, completely stoked, Jeremiah Aoyang, who is a founding partner of Kaleido Insights, is on Social Pros. J-O, what is going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. We are psyched Our to pleasure. have you. Tell everybody out there what uh, Kaleido Insights does. Kaleido Insights is a research firm. We focus on how new digital technologies help companies to connect to their customers. It's so great to have you on. And, and Adam and I love when we have people on the show who have been doing this a long time, who frankly are old, um, like, like Adam and I are, because you've got the, the wisdom of the ancients, uh, Jeremiah. I remember <laughs> when I first started in this business, after I sold my previous firm, uh, which was about a dozen years ago, the, the, the one blog out there, that I read every single word of every single time it was published it was your blog, uh, Web Strategist, Web Strategist. a must read, still a must yep. read. Uh, so we're, we're actually absolutely thrilled to, to have you here. And uh, you have seen some things, uh, my friend, and we're gonna get into that uh, this week. On Before it was called social. Yeah, right, <laughs> precisely, <laughs> precisely. Uh, just for, for folks out there who have maybe not uh, been in the biz quite as long, uh, before he was at uh, Kaleido, uh, Jeremiah was also at Altimeter Group, before that at Forrester, and, uh, and a few other roles as well, uh, and, has, and has really been a, a titan in the industry, as, uh, as we say. One of the things that you wrote about recently, fairly recently, Jeremiah, is this idea of digital feudalism. Oh, good. It was a really fascinating concept. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit and, and why it's so important? Yeah, well, I shouldn't say, oh, good. It's just like, oh, no. So digital right, feudalism. Say, you seem pretty excited about it, given the topic. We'll see. It's, it's actually not a great thing. So if we look back in our history classes, we might remember feudalism. Uh, typically, there's three different groups when it comes to feudalisms. There's the kings you know, or queens, and they give the land and the wealth to the lords who run the castles right? Who, who run the, and they in turn, uh, quote, hire the, the fiefdoms and, and the serfs. So the way it works in digital is if you're an investor or a VC, you are a king or queen. It's mostly kings. If you are an entrepreneur who has created one of the social media platforms or sharing economy or workplace platforms like Airbnb or Uber, then you are a king or queen. It's mostly kings though. If you cannot relate to any of those two, if you're not quite sure, I guarantee you, you're a surf. You are creating content or you are driving cars for somebody else and they are getting the benefit. Now, this is not limited to digital. This is a bigger thing around capitalism, but we're not going to get into politics and economics today. But this is unique to, to the social space. And, what, and brands themselves have actually fed into this. The majority of revenue from these digital platforms has come from the brands, the advertising and the marketing. So we're all complicit in this cycle. Uh, we're all three of us are involved in this. Uh, you know, it, it's a reality. And um, I was so optimistic about tech and social, obviously, early on in the career. I was an evangelist. I, you can go back and read my posts. Uh, but now, you know, 15 years later, it, it's different. Hi, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like um, as, as a result of, uh, of that, that social as we know it is ending an era or or beginning an era kind of where, where do you think we are in the in the life cycle or the, the hype cycle uh, of of social so at, at one time and you might remember this jay when the clue train manifesto 
you know, many new people will not know that, but basically is that social media will upend markets and it will shift the power balance. Oh yeah, and that definitely happened. Journalists have decreased, um, phone books have decreased, newspapers have decreased in power and revenue, and the digital variants have increased. We definitely see that, there's no question. However, those companies and those platforms, this is to answer your question, that the new eras, they are now the power base. So it's shifted to another organization. I, I saw this pattern repeat again in the sharing economy. I saw the same zealots. There are different people, but said that sharing is going to upend capitalism as we know it. We will shift to guaranteed and shared and spread resources in a very commune style way of thinking. And wow, that didn't happen. Airbnb and Uber themselves are one percenters. So this pattern in digital is repeating. So I think the big lesson here is every time we see that power shift, yes, we are doing a new era, uh, but it's the same power distribution, if not even more exaggerated. Do you feel like uh, because of, of, of that repeatability, but also with shifts accompanying that, that people who are social media professionals need to bring a different background or a different skill set or, or sort of a different perspective to role than they did uh, in the past? Oh, for sure. Uh, maybe 10 years ago, we would see social professionals focusing on communication skills, storytelling, and perhaps empathy and relationships. And certainly those are very important now, but most commonly the, the most additional skill set that we see added on is the ability to do paid and sponsored it's advertising. So, so in many ways, that's how it's shifted. I mean, but I'd love for you to chime in. You run an agency yourself and, and Adam and your work, you know, you do this professionally as well, but that's, that's what I believe. It's, it's paid owned and earned or required before it used to be just earned or owned. And it is the paid that is, I think, the, the, the biggest driver for certainly what we're doing right now. And Jay, I don't know if you would agree with that or not. I think we have tremendous opportunities on the organic side still to do things. And we've had so many guests on the show that have talked about the compelling ways to, to break through the clutter. Jeremiah, I'm curious if, if, if you look at the, the digital feudalism that, that you're speaking of, can we can we correct this? Is there any opportunity or are we just going to have to wait till the next phase of this approach? And one thing I do want to get to in a minute are your six digital eras and kind of how you project this. But, but how do we fix mm-hmm. this at this point? I think this trajectory of a small group of people running the internet, I think that's in place now. The only thing that can actually change that would be regulators. And if you look at some of the I don't want to get political, right. but if you look at the the many on the left and the candidates that are coming forward, that's actually one of their primary things on their platform that one individual is trying to push forward to literally break up and regulate. Uh, for users, that might be a wonderful thing. That could be a horrible thing. It might be bad for America when eventually we're going to compete with um, social networking apps from China. TikTok is already making its way through the youth in America. So is that a good thing? I don't know. What does that mean for brands? I don't know. So I, it, it, it's a complicated topic and we'd have to explore w- what regulatory breakups have done to industries in the past. I think we'll find a lot of similar patterns, specifically telco. I'm curious, Jeremiah, kind of how you see that through the eyes of a, of a social media practitioner. So our listeners, as they do and live social media each and every day, I know a complimentary topic you oftentimes talk about is digital transformation. You know, this mm-hmm. idea of how organizations can leverage data, your words, to deliver customer value, innovate with agility and sustain vitality. I'm curious kind of 
how social practitioners deal with this? You know, what are the biggest challenges? Is it the challenge of data silos? Is it the people themselves kind of being the silos that you've got people that are marketing or PR or customer service or operations that really aren't talking to each other? When you go in and sit down with these practitioners and their executives, right. what, do you, what do you tell them? The social media professionals are one of the first groups communications to go digital outside of the IT department. I mean, no, there's no question that the, the digital teams were the innovators, but now we're seeing other business units catching up, whether it's sales trying to catch up with the digital marketing leads that are coming in or new CX teams that are trying to expand and provide digital touch points at every single phase. Or we even see at the retail, they're all trying to integrate digital kiosks or AR, or whatever it is. So the thing is every single group is trying to integrate digital, but they're often doing it in their own way. Jay, I was on your, your website and I saw you have some really awesome um, marketing digital diagnostics tools. I mean, that's a great way to help to look at how a company might understand everything from one get go. And, and we're also doing something similar, but from a broader perspective, looking across the whole organization and interviewing stakeholders from all those types of departments that I just mentioned to find out their digital maturity. And, and Adam, and this, I mean, Obviously, Salesforce, where, where you work, is a big leader, a big component of trying to connect the enterprise. So you, you know firsthand, of course, with your, your work and your clients, how that happens. But the biggest challenge is the culture and the, and the silos of the data are spread apart and they're not connected. And, and I think it's really important. I was actually having dinner with Alan Weber, an IDC analyst last night, and he said, so many companies are focused on digital transformation, but they forgot why. It's to, it's to anticipate customer needs, to provide them with that great customer experience. I mean, th that's something you see resonating in Jay's content. I was on his site just today looking at it. And, and so we can't forget that um, digital transformation is for not unless you understand it's about delivering a great customer experience. And, and that means, and I'll summarize all of that, it means that the company, all of the employees, and all of the departments need to act as one. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, it's, it's such a great point that you make that, you know, we're at this point where people sort of kneel at the altar of digital transformation just because it's digital or, or they believe that they should. I feel the same way about big data, right? That that everybody is saying, well, we, you know, we, we have to, we must have big data and, and, and data in and of itself has no net present value. It, it's Correct. big understanding is what we're seeking, not big data. It, one begets uh, yes. the other. It's, it's a really interesting, really interesting time uh, that, that we, that we live in. I think a lot of things that uh, become uh, such trends in business now are because of the free flow of information, right? There are so many blogs and podcasts and, uh, and, and constant um, publication and content and everything else. And I want to ask you about that in, in terms of your personal life. You are a well-known CrossFitter, right? You are a, you're a CrossFit devotee, I think is a, a, fair, a fair bet. Yes, that's true. Uh, they, they actually say that we're cult members. <laughs> and, and, yeah, unabashedly cult members. Yeah. Yes. So let me, let me ask you a question about that. Do you think... Uh, that that CrossFit could have become the overwhelming success that it has become in a pre-social media era. I mean, the, the way that this business model is designed, it, it is social. So un, unlike a franchise where you purchase a license or unlike a corporate-owned gym like 24-Hour Fitness, they allowed anybody to take the brand and create your own gym and you become a you are like you have a license you can use and it's called an affiliate 
It's just, it's a loose, loose thing that said, you can just figure out what your, your workouts of the day are. We can offer some, you have to register your gym and your coaches need to be trained by us. But other than that, it's off on your own. So that's actually why it is the fastest growing fitness brand that has ever emerged because they let go completely. It is a social business model in its core. And of course, yes, it, social media helps everybody that are passionate about things to uh, express and share um, those things. And that ties to the research I'm doing on tech and wellness now too. So it's also part of my, my client work and I'm helping large corporations on tech wellness and even HR leaders now. You, of course, are, are familiar both with uh, social media successes and, and social media failures. When you come across the latter, Jeremiah, do you believe that social media failures are, are more cultural um, sort of operational strategy weaknesses or, or execution? When do, you, when do you sort of see, yeah, that's the typical shortcoming? Um, from when brands screw up in social media, it's because they were culturally not aligned with what's happening in society. And we've actually seen some agencies emerge that are culture agencies just to help with that. Um, so that's when I see companies screw up. Uh, for example, on the flip side, a company that did it right, like Nike placed a real clear bet. I'm sure they had numbers and forecasts with Colin Kaepernick. They knew that was going to be extremely explosive and they knew people were going to burn their shoes, but they knew more people were probably going to buy their shoes and they knew they're going to get a brand lift in terms of quantity of metrics. Uh, so they were in touch with what was happening at a red hot topic in America that went all the way up to the highest executive branch. And so they knew how to play that plus with sports, you know, fanaticism so they knew they were in touch culturally so that's an example of a brand doing it right and or wrong isn't that strange it's culture jeremiah you just took the words right out of my mouth was that if you think about kind of what we've been talking about on this podcast so far, we've been talking about kind of brand and, and culture we've talked about the cultural and the change management aspect of, of the challenges that organizations have certainly even in their social media capabilities. And my question for you is this, that you know, 10, 15 years ago, when, when we all kind of got started in this social space and you as, as one of the godfathers of the, the voice of, of what social is, would you have ever expected this discussion that we're having now not to be about technology, but more about to be the psychology of all of us and our consumers? That was the initial hope, actually, is that we would move away from centralized institutions and instead it would be the human to human connecting. It would be person to person, you know, moving away from advertisements, moving away from corporations or corporate speak or press releases for the human to human. So I think that's actually was the original premise. And in many ways, we're kind of returning back to that. Um, but it's hard to draw the lines now between what is corporate content, what is own content, what is sponsored content. I mean, it's really difficult product placement, right? You know, it's very, very difficult, right? You know, I could hold this bottle up. Was I paid to hold this up or not? You, you don't really know. Does it matter? <laughs> North Face is getting a little blip if you're watching the video. So yeah, it's really hard to tell now. One of the, and maybe this is a good segue into this. One of the things I mentioned earlier and, and something that, that certainly your brand is synonymous with is your, your six digital eras. And for those who aren't familiar with it, Jeremiah has articulated that there have been really six or are six eras. The eras that we pass through, the internet era, the social media age, 
Um, now, where we are right now, the collaborative economy age and the autonomous world age and towards the future, uh, two more that you call the modern well-being age and the off-planet age, which I absolutely love. You sure. said that in the social media age, it was about you know, people getting information from each other. And today's mm-hmm. age is about getting what they need from each other. So from mm-hmm. information to need, I'm curious how this pivot change uh, impacts our, our listeners you know, as social media practitioners as they approach their jobs, as well as general marketers, communicators, and customer service leaders. Well, I think it's resulted in business model change, right? As we saw the rise of company uh, companies, tech companies emerging where people could get rides from each other or share homes or crowdfunding or the maker movement or 3D printing, the crowd was empowered to get those physical resources powered by digital, of course, and using social media data because the trust information from ratings, reviews, and comments is embedded in that thanks to the second age social media age that now we see that people may not need to own cars if they're in urban areas they can borrow one or people we know millennials may not even want to own a home they could rent one or there's other they want to be traveling the world and now digital enables them to do that so this has caused significant business model shifts for hotels and car companies which are trying to become service companies and even on-demand services almost every retailer is trying to have delivery services as a result to compete with on-demand everything so there's absolutely been shifts and that's broader than the social media professional uh, because it impacts product and strategy across the organization so that is the the, the third era this the collaborative economy era which um is dominant now we see this happening well speaking of those social media professionals jeremiah one of the reasons we are so excited to have you on the show is that you are the founder or co-founder of a community manager day uh, which is the celebration of community managers i'm, I'm certain that many social pros listeners are, are either uh, by title community managers or certainly by role and are social media managers and and uh, and we have lots and lots of social pros fans uh, who are part of that who celebrate community manager day uh tell us what you got planned uh, for the 2020 edition Sure. So this year, and I announced it on stage at CMX, which is the premier community manager event in San Ho- uh, Redwood City, close to my house. And the, the theme this year for 2020, and it's the third January of every year, the theme this year is self-care. We are burnt out from internets. We are burnt out from fighting about politics. And, and, and those are just for regular people. Now, imagine that's your job is to communicate online and you're managing a community for a big corporation. By the way, I know the community managers at Salesforce, they're amazing people, but politics and environmental discussions and infighting, all of that stuff is creeping now into the corporate discussion boards. There's, and they cannot turn their, their phones off. They're, they're having to, to deal with this and manage it. And, and the amount of alerts, alerts that they're receiving and the amount of different platforms, we have TikTok and there's a whole bunch of other ones that are emerging. It's just, it's just too much. Too much internets. So the theme for 2020, and frankly, shouldn't just last for a year, is we do need to take care of ourselves. The community managers are the primary face to the world from the corporation. They're the human face. It is really important that they shine their best face. And you know the old adage, uh, you really can't love somebody else until you've loved yourself. 
Well, I, I couldn't agree with that more. It is an increasingly difficult and I would argue thankless job. You're absolutely spot on when you suggest that community managers are the public face of, of multi-billion dollar corporations. Ironically, they're not compensated as such in, mm. in most cases. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they are working hours that in the modern age uh, are, are almost um, unheard of other, other than, you know, uh, physicians and other types of uh, providers of that sort, and mm -hmm. like, how do we solve for this? I think I think raising awareness of it with Community Manager Day and things that, you, right. that you're doing is fantastic. But how do you, how do we make real change? Because by my way of thinking, it's got to be a boardroom change, right? It's it's it has to be an executive level understanding of of how important this role is and the fact that we're grinding these people down. So we're also trying to rebrand that in that day to be called community sorry community manager advancement day instead of appreciation. So that's and that was a suggestion that came from Rachel Happy. I don't know if you've had her on your show from Community Roundtable. And by the way, I I sought. Um, input to all of these the themes and everything and, and advisement from the leaders in the community space right. i'd never act in a vacuum and, and yes i did found it but it was because there was a need from the community so i i don't want the credit this is not about me this is about the community managers uh, and the reason why i'm so passionate about this role is i had this job at hitachi data systems i was the first one at hitachi 2005 is before i went to forrester so we are one of the first 10 companies in the world to launch social media. That's when I launched my blog. So that's the genesis. And Forrester saw that and asked me to hire it and cover that thing. So I remember how difficult it was to bring the discussion of, well, we called it business blogging back then. And we had online communities to bring that up. But I did get C-suite approval in order to launch it because we were going to launch executive blogs. And they're still running for the company, uh, Hitachi, still to this day. That What a great team to, enab to enable that. So it is very difficult to get that executive support, but it's really important to do because that is the front of the of the the company, uh, and this is where people when they're when they're most angry at the brand, the community manager is often the first to feel the brunt because customer service has probably failed or the account teams. So it, it is really critical we we raise awareness. Jeremiah, I like those two A words there, uh, the appreciation, but as you just articulated, the advancement. Advancement. And I think you're, you're a great, you just, you just you know, told a perfect story of how you've leveraged uh, your experience as, as a community manager into doing such amazing things. My question for you, though, is when you talk to companies, um, I think everybody wants to know that they're going to matriculate. They're going to matriculate up in an organization, and in some cases, maybe to general management, executive management where do you see community managers kind of going in an organization? And are you seeing that? Are you yes. seeing people who are community managers now, chief customer officers or chief marketing officers, chief digital officers? Where are those matriculation points? Those are exactly the, the types of roles that we can see. So Bill Johnston, who used to be the head of community at Autodesk, has his own firm. Uh, and he I is- with Bill Adele, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. So he is working on how communities can be tied to product innovation, which makes sense because Autodesk did a lot of that. They, they owned Instructables, for example. So that is an, also another route is taking it, well, that's voice to the customer in some ways, right? So that is tied to a customer viewpoint. So that, that is a way to take that upwards. Um, I do think that. Uh, right now, often the community manager is, is considered like help desk. They're relegated to customer care. And 
But that's like saying your customer's help desk, which, by the way, is an important function, a critical function. But it's not the only function when in your customer experience, all your touch points. So, yeah, there's there's multiple levels. And I one critical thing that I think that community leaders need to do is to generate reports internally around how community is touching every single aspect of the customer touch points from awareness to consideration right down the marketing funnel and then they become a customer and and how do, how how do they use these things another opportunity is that nearly every company is becoming a digital company so they can integrate social data and social communities into every set of the product so that's another way they can integrate into product so those are some ideas i i see i don't see this really manifesting maybe others do uh, but those are the opportunities yeah, such a huge part of, of what we do. And I think those who are successful in this space is reading and learning from our from our colleagues. And other than than your blog, uh, web-strategist.com, which I think probably for the past decade, I have consulted, if not once a week, every at least every every month. And and Jay's blog at jbear.com. Of course. What are the suggestions of blogs or sites that our audience should be reading, required reading every morning, in your opinion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I like what Amber Mack is working on. Um, I uh, love uh, listening to Scott Monty, who is moving into the philosophical realm, which I think is important for brands now to think bigger beyond just corporate comms, right? And, and so many companies are moving into purpose. So Scott has taken a deviation from the tr traditional corp comms route, and he's exploring something far more important and that's critical and then of course the my old buddy standby david armano just gives really logical points and he's in the trenches but is all with clients but is also looking at it from a strategic perspective so those are some folks i would recommend yeah great great recommendations david was on the show not too long ago actually uh with adam and i scott's been on the show we need to have amber on the show that's a that's a, a good uh, a good reminder uh, to do that. It's funny, Jeremiah, you talk about advancement of social media or uh, community managers and social media mm -hmm. managers. I feel like Adam and I have done our part uh, because it, over the 400 guests we've had on the show, uh, within six months of appearing on the show, about 370 of them have been promoted or changed jobs. It's sort Excellent. of like the, it is the social pros halo effect. Uh, I, I feel that. like this is uh, both a podcast and uh, some sort of job board, uh, but, but it, it's just, it's a very <laughs> crazy coincidence that we'll, we'll do the actual analysis on it sometime. So I, I feel like you'll be elected to United States Senate or something in the next six months. Uh, if, uh, if, <laughs> If form holds here on no the thanks but yeah. yes but i appreciate the sentiment well you would have our vote uh, <laughs> very wise and sensible person thanks which should be great we're going to ask you the two questions we've asked everybody here on the show across now almost 400 episodes and don't forget friends you can go to socialpros.com to get the archives of every show the links will link up all the blogs that uh, jeremiah mentioned as well of course his work at kaleido as well uh first question jeremiah what one tip what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? Maybe somebody's uh, new to community management or it's kind of their first job. What would you tell them if they're like, hey, I want to really make a go of this? Uh, what would you say? Don't overdo it. It's so it, it, we just want to dive in and create a ton of content. And I actually got into kind of an argument with Gary Vaynerchuk. He suggested we post hundreds of times per day. And I suggest just post when you have something important to say. Don't overdo it. Did Gary suggest that all the things that he posts are important, therefore your advice is null? 
You'll have to ask Gary that. <laughs> Next time he's on the show, we will. Uh, we should have both of you on the show and do a, uh, a, a round table point. Yeah, <laughs> you will. yeah, yeah. That's clickbait, baby. We're going to make that happen. That's great advice, especially given the theme of, uh, of, of self-care. Oh, actually, exactly. before I ask you, yeah, exactly. right? I mean, look, it's exactly. unsustainable, right? If, if, if it exactly. becomes a volume game, that is literally unsustainable. Not only unsustainable from the content creator's perspective, but it's unsustainable from the audience's perspective. There, exactly. there is a limit to how much content they can digest and certainly a limit to how much content they can digest from any particular brand or person. Thank you. That's exactly right. What, before I ask you the final question, I should have asked you this earlier and I neglected to do so. What's the best way for individuals to get involved with Community Managers Day if they have it in the past? Oh yes, we didn't really discuss that. So it's basically a hashtag that it can be used on any channel and every ch channel and people use hashtag CMAD, which stands for Community Manager Advancement Day, or they, there's already existing CMGR Community Manager Chat or and, and variations thereof. And on that Monday, the third Monday of January, people will create content. Many of the community vendors will be creating content to talk about whatever the theme is. So, and, and really it's, there's no requirement. The, the requirement is for you to just pause and think about where your career is headed. And, and in this case, it's how you can take care of yourself so you can take care of your community. And if that means actually going to the spa or going for a walk and not being online, go do that. <laughs> we, and we don't even need to see a selfie. Just please, people, take care of yourself. <laughs> you heard it here, January 20th, a selfie-less uh, self-care day uh, for community managers, uh, January 20th, 2020. We will certainly be appreciating Kristen Cardos, who is the community manager here at Convince and Convert. And she is amazing. Been a longtime uh, member of that organization. All right, Jeremiah, last question that we've asked everybody here. And I can't wait okay. to see what you say to this. If you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be? You know, the person who always makes me smile and I think is just so charming and just so full of quips and just can take any scenario and loves to even just scare people. It, it's Ellen. Ellen DeGeneres. Mm -hmm. I just find her so charming. What just amazing hostess. I just, she's just, she's like the modern day Mr. Rogers. I just think she's so adorable. So I would love to spend time with her. That's a great answer. I wonder, Adam, I don't know if we've ever had an Ellen DeGeneres. Maybe one other time. That's excellent. <laughs> I love that. That's a great answer. And I couldn't agree more, right? She, she's one of those few people. I mean, we live in this polarizing age. We touched on it a little bit. One of the reasons why community managers are so beat down is that we're living in an era of, you know, empathy deficit. And, and then you, you sort of lay on top of it all the work that they have to do. Ellen is one of the few people who really transcends all of that. Like you, you don't find a lot of people who are like, I don't like that Ellen, you know, even if you disagree with her politics or her lifestyle or anything else about her, everybody still likes her. And boy, that that's a rare commodity these days. That is tough to come by. Yes. She rises above the fray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. We're going to work on that. I, I certainly, you, you've not spent time with Ellen, Jeremiah. You're a big deal. You, you run in, you run in all the power circles. Uh, you haven't I'm done any. Not a time? big deal at all. <laughs> Thanks. Someday. All right. Listen, folks, let's make Jeremiah's dream come true. I'm, I guarantee somebody who listens to social pros uh, can, uh, can get a video call between Jeremiah and Ellen, <laughs> and Ellen DeGeneres. I'm, I'm confident that that's true. If that, that is you, if that is you, Jay at jbear.com, let me know. We'll hook it up. We'll give you full credit. 
Jeremiah, thanks so much for being on the show. It was fantastic to chat with you as always. Congratulations on the great work at Kaleido Insights. Really appreciate your efforts uh, all the time on Community Manager Day going back years and years and years and for continuing to be such a bellwether and a thought leader in the space and in the digital space overall. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce at Marketing Club. Thanks so much for listening. This has been what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole world. This has been Social Pros. Social Pros.